Episode 51 of the Cause R Us podcast. I've got Ben and Kim with me. My name's Joel. And wow, guys. They 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 did it again. <laughs> we had we had we had Lucas away at Ajax. That was amazing, of course. That's un- unbeatable. But even if you think about the the Bergvine match against Leicester, which was a crazy comeback in stoppage time. And somehow this crazy club has found a way to even top that with two goals in 90 plus eight and 90 plus 10 to win against Sheffield. And I think this is the first of those three games that was actually at home. We'll, we'll get into the nitty gritty of the game, but I, I guess before we even start, to break down the the match itself. What I'm most interested in is how you guys reacted when that second goal went in at the end of uh, for Kulisevsky. Yeah, I mean, I think probably like most people, I jumped up and 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 was vocal, even though I was home by myself on my couch. Um, it was definitely pretty crazy. Can we go with Cardiac Cox on the on this our new team nickname. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we seem to have. Uh, a little flair for the the late game magic, and I guess we do. We'll, we'll talk more and more about that. But I, uh, it was extra. Um, uh, it felt extra good just because all the time wasting they've been done. That it was right at the very end of the game, so it, you know, Je- Sheffield United kind of got what they deserved in the end. But yeah, I, I think most people's reactions was to jump up and and yell, maybe do some fist pumps or clap your hands. Um, it was definitely a crazy finish to the game, especially for those two to happen in what ninety seconds or two minutes, and Richarlison to be involved in both. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's funny enough. So I was at Atlanta Spurs, and when the matches on Peacock, they have like certain TVs that can access Peacock and certain ones that can't. So there was like the Man City game on one TV, and then the Tottenham game on the other. It was like every other TV, but the Man City game ended before ours, and that one was on actual TV, and this one was on Peacock. You know, Peacock's always a little later than actual TV, so you saw like half the bar celebrate, and then half the bar celebrate. It was weird. It was weird. Like, the first goal all happened, you know, the Man City game still was going on when the first goal happened, but when the second goal happened, it was like, you saw stuff, something happen. I saw like in my peripheral vision, people celebrating. And I was like, what happened? What happened? What? And then like, maybe like 30 seconds later on my TV. And I was like, oh shit. Like, and I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was funny, but yeah, no, it was super, super exciting. Like you, you can't beat that kind of game, like winning like that. There's just really nothing that you get. Like, yeah, that. That's like as as limbs as you can get, honestly, especially at home. I mean, this past weekend was my birthday. So I'm like, all right, my birthday's on Friday. I got stuff going on. I'm going to go out with my girl. I'm going out with my sister. And then Saturday, I'm, it's Sheffield at home. Like, get the three points. I'll be feeling good. It'll be a nice birthday weekend. And um, I'm not going to lie, man. <laughs> As we got later and later in the game, I'm like, yo, we're really about to lose to Sheffield at home. Like, this sucks. This is not how I thought this weekend was going to go. Um, but the plus the plus 12 made me feel pretty good. Like, okay. The thing about the game, and like I said, we'll get into it in a second. But, like, 
we were creating a lot of opportunities. It was just like that final ball was lacking and they were defending really well. But I figured, you know, if we could just get that first goal, we might actually go steal this game. Of course, I'm hoping against hope at this point. But man, uh, when the first goal went in, especially for Richie to score, the place kind of went insane already. And you're thinking, okay, we at least stole a point from this game. And that second one, oh, man. Um. Yeah, the I would bar say was... stole a point though. I would say recovered a point, reclaimed a point. Like yeah, that. that's fair. That's <laughs> they fair. they were about to steal three points from us. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Um, some of the listeners may have actually seen some of the videos from DC Spurs that were floating around uh, the yeah, internet. I see that. With uh, me going absolutely crazy. <laughs> I know. Joel, Joel is always in the... Anytime you see DC's first video, Joel's like always in the middle. You'll I mean, that's, notice him. that's my spot. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> that's my spot. I'm always I'm always front and center. I, we always... It's like a crew of us that are always kind of in that same little corner in front of the TVs. And so, you know, by the, by the time that second goal goes in, I'm, I'm a few in anyway. Because, you know, we've been there since 930. Um, and at that point, the game had probably been on for two and a half hours. It feels like so. Yeah, it was just insane. Like I couldn't believe what what it was happening. It was just like everybody it was just pandemonium noise. Everybody screaming. People start singing. Yeah, it was it was good. Um, and then you know DC Spurs having a little viral moment doesn't hurt either. I, I love I love seeing the the home team get get appreciated. Uh, Men and Blazers, shout out to them. So I guess. Starting off with the match itself, you know, we were all kind of expecting not this. <laughs> I think we all had us scoring three or four goals. Like, not me. Yeah. Oh, not no, me. you had what did you have? I said 2 0. Um, Sheffield still uh, past even past this last game has not let a team score two goals more than two goals. So I just felt like we wouldn't have scored more than two goals like they already played city and city only scored two so i was like maybe we'll do as good as city on the goal front um so yeah i didn't i didn't think we would i didn't think we would like blast them because i knew it would be like a they'd sit in they'd make it hard and these are the kind of games that we've struggled with for a very very long time like breaking down low blocks has been our Achilles heel for how many years since before I became a fan is, is what I can hear. Like I hear about it all. I heard about it when I became a fan that like breaking down low blocks was the hardest thing that it's, it's the hardest thing for a lot of teams. If teams that play expansively, the low block is the hardest thing to do. And it seems like, you know, we create, we would create the chances. It's not that we wouldn't create the chances, but we just wouldn't finish them for whatever reason. And like this year we don't have a Harry Kane that's just going to pop up and, bury something so it just didn't feel likely that we would score a ton i mean two goals is nice but it didn't it didn't feel likely that we'd score a ton in my we, well we waited till the very end we, to score both of them <laughs> well we could have had a couple penalties in there too so i mean i that i is, think this that would have been a really really rough game to, to lose and it happens uh i mean i think that at least in my opinion out of all the major sports worldwide major team sports at least Soccer is the one you can get punished even when you're playing well the most. Like, I don't think you could dominate an NBA game the way we would have dominated that game and lose the game. It just doesn't happen. The the margin for scoring, the way that the the space, everything is set up. Soccer is the only sport that can, that kind of can allow that big of an underdog 
maybe college basketball, but that's more of like a, that's more like a random player playing really well type thing. And then the tournament, but it's the only one I can think of that you can have an underdog win as consistently as they do. If there was as big of a gap in any other major sport, those have nots would just be, you know, Oh, and 16 in the NFL, that kind of, anyway. uh, But it would have been really unfair for us to lose that game. I really, was not a fan of the ref on this game. I don't think they were like glaringly obvious, but he was. There were he a, was bad though. He the time, bad. the time yeah, racing no. thing was really bad. He was so inconsistent. And then, like I said, there's a couple penalties I think that could have gone either way. They were at least 50-50s. and to not get a call on, I think there were three of them that could have gone like kind of fifty fifty. To not get any of those. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I also felt like his um, giving out of yellow cards was arbitrary. Yeah, it's like exactly like there was one specifically that really, really bothered me. That guy like ran through Kuloseski on the edge of the box. And I was like, that's not that's not a yellow card. Like. You literally. Two footed him (laughs) like on the touch, like on the touchline. Yeah, he was using his cards. Well, I feel like some refs play their cards to the letter of the law based on the type of foul. Other refs might use it more so as a way of controlling the game. Okay, I let you get away with two fouls. This is your third foul. Now you get a yellow. I feel like he was trying to do the latter, but he just wasn't doing it well or consistently. Uh, how many yellows did he get for descent? Did he give two or three just for descent? He, it felt, felt kind of like he lost control of the game early and never could regain it, and his cards were almost like him being – upset at the way players were reacting rather than based on what was actually happening. It was, it was weird. I, I don't really don't think I've seen a, a refing performance like that in any other match. Well, he gave three yellows to Sheffield in the first half alone. And then there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine yellow cards given in the second half. Um, including yeah, a second to Ollie Bring Bernie at the end of the game. Um, there were a few time wasting. I mean, a bunch of these cards, one, two, three, four of them were after stoppage time had started. Yeah, as well. Like, I feel like the first few that they got in the first half, I feel like in the first half, he wasn't that terrible with the way he gave out his yellow cards because I couldn't remember like Chris Basham. I feel like that was a, a tactical foul. Cameron Archer... I think he was like one of their strikers and he, I, I forget what he did, but he fouled somebody um, in a way that I was like, oh yeah, that should be a low card. And then the goalkeeper handled on the outside of the box. So that was like the third one. But after that, I felt like anytime anybody would go up to him, um, there were other fouls that I was like, I, I don't understand how this is a yellow card and that one isn't. Um, it, it, it didn't feel like there was any sort of like, normality and how he did things um it all like you said it all felt very arbitrary and yeah i would not like to see him again as a ref from one of our matches i will say this in slight defense and not okay i cannot defend the ref completely um because i do think he did an overall pretty poor job but i will say that especially with it being the fifth week of the season i do feel like refs are figuring out how they're going to manage all these new rules, specifically those against dissent and time wasting, because it does feel like there is a very, and we see this in the premier league. We see this in other leagues and also even in other sports, whenever a new 
rule gets established, they usually hit it really hard at the beginning of the season as a way to like establish this is a new norm. I'm going to be calling these a lot. And I think as a result of like these new rules that are now seeing us getting 12 minutes of stoppage time, in addition to trying to get guys not to yell at the ref the whole game, get guys not to pretend to have cramps and then, you know, get up five minutes later. Like all of these things are in theory supposed to make the game better. Um, And TBD on whether or not they do. But I think for refs, it's sometimes difficult to figure out like how to manage these initiatives that are probably being poured down from up above versus how they want to ref versus how they've refed in the past. Peter Banks is not a new official. He's been around for at least a few years so I do wonder how much that played into the way that he called the game and just like having those things in the back of his mind about what he needed to do. Yeah, I could see that the whole like point of emphasis thing and taking that. And like I said, I think eventually we'll get to the point where there probably won't be as much extra time and there also won't be as much time wasting. And I think they're just trying to get us to that point. But like yesterday, the time wasting was ridiculous. That was <laughs> the worst I've seen. Yeah, I, I like players were just falling. The goalkeeper would take like a million seconds just to like kick the ball out of, and he would do the same thing. He'd launch it, and I'm like, you, you didn't make the disease. You know, you were going to launch that ball because you know we're going to press you. So like, why is it that this is taking so much time? And then their coach, he went on a, like a a rant about how the the officials were dictating how they played the ball, and I was like. You knew how you were going to play the ball when you stepped into this game. The way we pressed you was not new. Like, you knew that coming in. We've been pressing people the same way this whole season. So, what had what changed? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that yeah. it's like he gave his players a directive to muddy up the game, and they took it seriously. I was just going to say, I'm glad that as as far as the ref not calling uh, time wasting as much, because again, their goalkeeper should have been. I don't know how many different potential yellow cards he could have gotten just for time wasted alone. I'm glad he at least gave that much stoppage time. So he redeemed it a little bit there. But going back to the inconsistency, there was more than three minutes in the first half. How are you going to do three minutes in the first half and 12 in the second when there was almost just as much stoppage of play at that point? There, there could have been close to 10 minutes in the first half, too. So I feel like uh, he was trying to make up for the fact. I don't I actually don't think yeah. there were probably 12 minutes. I thought there was about 10 when I when I was when I was like towards the end of the game, might have been like eighty nine minutes. I was like, we will, we will have a lot of extra time. I think it'll be about ten minutes. I was surprised to see twelve, but like you said, that the goalkeeper got hurt in the first half, and I actually when I watched that back, it was like basically exactly three minutes. That one thing alone was exactly three minutes, and there were other stoppages in the first half. So I feel like he tried to make up for the fact that. He didn't give enough time in the first half in the second yeah, 100%, half. Yeah, 100%. Because the three minutes felt short. So it was like, wait, what are they doing here? Um, So to give 12 at the end definitely was a makeup call. I mean, I'll say in terms of Sheffield, I thought they played a really good game. It's tough to play 102 minutes against a significantly better team on the road. You're only going to be able to keep them at bay for so long. But I thought they stuck to their game plan. Obviously, time-wasting was a part of it, um, which I don't really advocate. But I thought defensively they did a really good job. Their goalie 
uh, West Fodringham had eight saves. They blocked a ton of shots. I thought their defenders were really were really brave and really focused for a majority of that game. The two goals that we scored, I mean, you got a header off of a corner kick, and then you got uh, a broken play from. We had like twenty corners too. How many corners? Two, did yeah, we have? I mean, it's it's a it's a cruel way for them to to lose the game, but it's also like, I don't know that they could have done anything too much different. You know, like they. They play really well. They just you play a better team for over an hour and a half, and like eventually they're gonna score just because they have better players to bring off the bench, and like that's just what it is. On the other side of things, of course, like the time wasting was really ridiculous, and I do wonder how much that's going to affect teams like your Sheffields, your Luton Towns, the teams that don't just they just don't have the offensive firepower to keep up with some better clubs they typically in years past could rely on some of that time wasting to kind of even the scales and now they just can't <laughs> like i it's i think it's going to be a lot harder for teams like those to get points in the premier league because they have worse benches they're not going to be able to waste time and they can't argue <laughs> so like i don't know well, this is um, going yeah no, i think that's a good point though like what i was saying earlier about how i think it's it's more likely in, in the Premier League to, or in, in soccer to have underdogs win matches. This was one of their tools to do that. So they just yeah. removed one of the tools yeah. in their arsenal. Yeah. With that said, I do want to obviously talk about our bench because one of the big takeaways that I had as I was watching the game, and I think many of us were probably all yelling the same thing at the TV, which was, dude, come on, make a rotation, make a sub. Whatever we're doing right now is not working. And it wasn't necessarily that anybody was playing poorly, but just we couldn't we couldn't crack the code for whatever reason. We couldn't pick the lock. Um, some of those final passes, like I said, were just slightly off or guys were misreading other guys runs. Um, a lot of really good defending in the box. They were putting four or five guys in the box in the first place. So, you know, you're going to have to try different things at some point. We were trying to play defeat, but then, the, you know, guys were too crowded. And I was wondering, like, how long is it going to take for Ange to make some subs? Because we're running out of time. And surely he didn't know. I mean, unless he's really a genius. I'm sure he no, didn't I mean, know that he, we were going to get 12 minutes. He said the reason why he ended up making his subs so late was because he knew there would be a lot of extra time. Like I say, maybe not 12 minutes, but I feel like he thought like in, in the same way that I did, there might've been about 10. Like there was so much stuff that happened in that second half. There was so much time wasting that. I think that like, I think, I think my counter argument to that would still be why wait? Like, even if you're going to get 10 minutes I'd of stop this time, why wait till, the 83rd or whatever time it was to like make the first change when you could kill the game much sooner or at least attempt to his first substitutions didn't come till the 80th minute. Um, and but he then, made like a, he made three attacking changes at one time, like basically, basically like took out, like, I think he said he ended up going to a back three, like Adogi was like playing in the defensive, the defensive line. And so he waited to make those changes, but he made drastic changes. Yeah, so that's that's another thing I want to talk about because obviously, like I said, watching the game at the pub was mayhem, and I knew we were going to record today, so I'm like, let me <laughs> let me try to watch at least the end of the game over. Like I just watched like the last 20 minutes. I think I started at around the 70 minute mark, 
just to kind of get an idea of like how the rest of the game played out because everything was such a blur. I didn't. I couldn't even tell you how that second goal happened <laughs> when it happened. I just saw the I saw the ball go in the back of the net, and then and then it was just bedlam. But I want to go back to what you were just saying about when he made um, those subs because what he ultimately did was he took out two attackers and Solomon and Son, and he took out Sar who was in midfield, but replaced them with three attackers. So what you basically end up creating is like a 4-2-4 um, where you have Perisic, Richarlison, Brennan, Johnson, and Kulisevsky up front. And then Kulisevsky and Brennan Johnson were on the right kind of interchanging. So sometimes one of them would play out and the other would play in. And then they'd kind of do that. And then that's how you saw Brennan Johnson on the outside of that run where he was slightly offside for that pretty amazing finish for that goal that he had. Yeah. And then you kind of had just Basuma and Madison in midfield. Then 10 minutes later, when we still hadn't scored, then he took out Vandeven for Hoybier and then put in Emerson for Poro. So now you're pushing Hoybier into the midfield to add an extra person there, but now you have a back three. And then... Romero's kind of in the middle by himself because Udogi and Paro are are still pushing up. So when we have the ball in possession, um, you're essentially playing a two four four. So it it was like there were little things like that in terms of the way that the team was set up towards the end of the game that I I don't think I really noticed in real time. When Kulseski ended up playing almost more centrally, right, right, like as one as yeah. ten. That that's how he popped up in the box for that goal at the end. Because he was he was almost played he was playing what like the Sarge role except for pushed higher up so playing it as you know significantly higher yeah right because like I said he was he was doing a lot of interchange on that right side with um with Johnson and a lot of that has to do with the fact that he pushes everybody up anyway right right? like a lot of a lot of times you get Poro in that same position. Yep. So. And what well, looked like Hoybier ended up finishing at center back too after our second goal. Right. He, he I actually did, wondered but, about that earlier. Yeah. But I was I would say like there was a moment where Hoyberg was in the box. He was on the box. Yeah. He was I mean, like the, the, in the box. He put he in a the, header to the, the double put, assist put or whatever, a, the triple assist. Yeah, he had he had a header that came back towards the middle that might have fallen for somebody. Like there were so many moments where you're just like one extra second if they could have gotten to that ball that could have been a goal <laughs> and i felt like it, once he made those changes it it really did feel like something is gonna happen here like i felt like you know i think poro had before he made the the second group of changes i think poro had a, a ball that went over richarlison had that header that he had that go over um that there was there were continually moments where i was like okay like i can actually see what we're trying to do a- here yeah, and Brandon I think Perisic also did have Perisic also had a ball that went into into the net. I think um, I think that was off Brandon Johnson's assist, basically, right? Yes, exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So like you could you could just see you could feel, and I I really felt like they went into that extra time really thinking like we're gonna score a goal, like and once we score the first one, we probably can score another one. Isn't that <laughs> such a change though? Like if we had been yeah. pushing for a goal for seventy minutes. And then, you know, a throw in. Now it wasn't even a corner. It felt like a corner because it was a long throw. That leads to a goal, 73rd minute. What, what the hell's going on? We were dominating this whole game and now we're losing. 
I feel like a year ago or two years ago or three years ago, that would have been like, oh, we just lost this game. And there wasn't really a plan B in terms of how are we going to score in the next 15 minutes. We didn't really have that. Under Jose, it was very much score early and try to defend for the rest of the match. Conte had a little bit more offensive know-how than Jose did, but his game plan was still very rigid. So it's very unlikely that we would have seen significant lineup changes late in the game to try to score a goal. We would have just stuck with the 3-4-3 for the entire game and just crossed our fingers. And so to be able to not only just see what Ange is doing, that's one thing, but I think even just the way that they continue to kick on throughout the game, like there was a lot of opposition where it just felt like things were not going the right way. And you never really saw players with their head down. You saw them continuing to score. Even after Richarlison's goal, it was like a really short celebration. And then like, let's get back to midfield. I and think Richie, Richie actually led that. He was like, okay, like he celebrated and he was like, all right, let's go. Like we're, we're trying to win this game. Um, And I, I, want to say shout out to the fans as well who were in the stadium because that support throughout the game I know the players feel that I know the coaches feel that I know like the people on the pitch feel that and so like the more that we can continue to to keep our you know keep ourselves behind the team keep cheering on the team because you and I think it's it's a lot easier to do that when the team is attacking when you see what the team is trying to do you see them trying to score. It is a lot easier to get behind them, but I feel like the support in that game particularly was massive. And they've been yeah, outstanding they... on the road as well. I mean, I think I maybe I'm biased. I'm probably am, but I I feel like we have the best road supporters in the whole league. Like, I there have been so many away games that I've met that I've watched where our contingent in the corner it was is louder than the whole rest of the stadium. And I feel like I don't see or hear that as often when I watch other games. Again, I could be biased, but maybe I'm not. Well, I think it, it does show, again, just the, the sea change in attitude at the club. I think the fans are, are much more likely. I mean, there's there would be a lot more dejected fans if this had been the same kind of scoreline last year. We wouldn't have been playing that way. We wouldn't have been pushing for goals for the entirety of the game. So I just think the mood in the stadium is just it's better because of, of the way the team's playing and just the kind of the positive energy that comes from that and just from Ange, just, again, not seeming as cynical overall. So I do think it plays in. I did talk about rewatching the game and noticing some of the changes that Ange made. I, <clears throat> I think there were just two other things I wanted to note real quick that, like, I completely missed when I watched the game live. One of them... I mean, obviously, Richie's going to get a lot of the pats on the back and applause for this game. But I do also want to give a shout out to to Hoybier. Like, I don't think I noticed how much he influenced the game when he came on or and when I initially watched it. I think one of the things that adding him to the midfield did as well is that kind of what we were just saying that Conte wouldn't do, um, like, adding him to the team creates another type of passer, right? Like obviously our best passers are Madison and Basuma. They do a specific type of thing, but we've seen Pierre be a strong passer as well. He doesn't necessarily have the same profile that they do, but I think especially when you're trying to pick the lock, having a bunch of different types of passers on the pitch at the same time 
is going to help you to create different types of combinations that makes it more difficult for a defense to um, defend against. Not only just the way that he <clears throat> approached the game and passed, but even thinking about the first goal, the first goal happens because he comes into the box and is actually heading the ball towards Richarlison for a pass. It gets it gets deflected out for a corner, which leads to the goal. And then he's also involved in the move that led to the second goal. So he had direct great touch with that one too. That was impact on both. Yeah, I mean, he was directly involved in both of those goals. He's not going to be credited for either one. Um, but and I thought that was one great. other person I want to shout out is actually Perisic because for that Perisic touch? <laughs> press. Well, Perisic, you know, obviously he has the assist for Richie's goal, but Perisic also. Um, he presses the keeper, which he causes which that. Udo, so, like yeah, that yeah. was that was that's the that's the start of it. And so you can just see like the and whole that's, team. and that's a play he's not making last year. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> well, one, he's not playing that high on a normal basis. He's making runs from you know sixty yards down the field. So I feel like we're using him in the best possible way right now, letting him come on with twenty to thirty minutes, allowing him to run at what are considered tired legs and put balls into the box because we might want to try to find a goal. So, uh, yeah, I feel like we have a, we have good profile, different kinds of profiles. And we talked about that a little bit last week, but you see it more and more as we play different guys do different things and allows you as a team to then be a little varied in how you attack. Like you say, we tried doing everything on the ground for a little while. That wasn't working out. Sheffield United was blocking everything. Like I looked and they had, clearances they had 34 saves they had eight and blocks they had nine interceptions they had 10 like defensively they they played really well yeah um but it just it, it just wasn't enough but us having different kinds of players made it so that they weren't always doing expecting to defend the same way and when you require people to defend differently that's when you can create you know bigger chances in the rewatch this is the last thing i'll mention about it is this is after the goal. And like, obviously a big theme of this game was how much they were wasting time. And obviously that, that led to us being able to win the game in, in the what 90 plus 10th minute. Um, after the second goal goes in, um, Masuma and Madison both Madison. go down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm, so they're, I both on, me up. they're both on the ground. The, now the now the, uh, the the Sheffield players are upset. They're telling them to get up after we've been telling them to get up the entire game. They pan to Ange on the sideline, and he's like, come on, guys, get up. He's yelling at the players, telling them, don't do that. Get up. Madison's on the ground with a smile on his face. Basuma's pretending out, to pull out up his, his hamstring. Socks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, that was yes. like just the perfect – Perfect icing on the cake to a frustrating game to kind of just stick it back to them at the end. And the fact that both of our midfielders decided to do it at the same time was also pretty hilarious. Right. Yeah. I do want to also give out a shout out to Basuma because this whole match, he was phenomenal. Running at players, getting into the box, like trying to create chances. Obviously, none of them actually came off, but I feel like he spent the entire match just trying to drive us forward over and over and over again and yeah you can't really say enough about just how he's been playing in the team like he's what the other 
The other player I would mention also is uh, even before his goal was cool. Seski had a, a pretty solid game. He was kind of all over the place. Again, his pressing is, 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 is a huge part of the way we play on that side. And he just, he, he he's got that weird change of pace where he doesn't really beat his guy off a dribble, but he somehow gets space or gets on the other side of him. And it's, uh, it seemed like it happened a lot. A lot of our, a lot of our creativity seemed to be coming down <clears throat> that side. The other side where we had Solomon, he would kind of get in there a little bit. That was where more block shots I felt like were coming from versus like kind of working them through. Um, and Sonny was kind of quiet, but I feel like Kulisewski was out, out of the forwards for sure the best of the three, even before his goal. Um, and that sealed it. So it's definitely good to see both those two guys as goal scorers. And then that that last buildup for the last goal was just a really, really great team goal. And you could see how when you're playing quick like that, you can pick apart even this, this uh, you know, when they're stacking the box, you can still pick that apart with that kind of quick one-touch passing. You guys remember after some of these games over the past couple of years where we would be sitting here struggling to figure out who to give who to flowers give, to? Like, who who was good last night? Who who actually played well this? Oh, I guess it was just Harry Kane and nobody it's just else. Kane, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and now we're at... we've we've named like five players already who had a positive impact on the game, which is just mm-hmm. a far cry from where we were even five months yeah, ago. Because that's not even saying again. The defense was great yesterday too. Or sorry, oh, not yeah. yesterday, but on yeah. Sunday, Van uh, or Saturday rather. But Van Van again was was great. Romero was good. Uh, it's those those two. How quickly they became this um, apparently solid partnership has been really a good good thing to see. Because remember how we were all nervous we were going to leak some goals. We thought it would be worth it overall, and and we'll still we'll see what happens. It still is early, and we have a couple tough games coming up. But I've been really impressed with how how good the defense, in particular, I feel like has has how quickly they've gotten good while we're playing this really attacking football. Yeah, Vandevin's speed just pops. Like, there's always like one like moment in the code. match that you you're like, oh, that person's in behind, and then Vandevin's on the other side of the ball, and you're like, how did you how did you get there? It feels like a cheat code to have that dude sometimes as a as a defender that's that big too. It's crazy he's that fast. Well, you talk about leaking goals. I mean, we have played five league matches. We've got two clean sheets. We gave up two in the first match, which was our only draw. And then we gave up two against Burnley, who let us score five. And other than that, um, we haven't really conceded a ton. And and I also, not even just the amount of goals, but even thinking about the goals that we have conceded, there have been very few, if any, like glaring mistakes. Like the goal that we gave up against Sheffield on Saturday was well taken from a set piece. I mean, you probably want that player in the box to be marked a little bit better. Um, well, that's but just he's also thing. coming off of the shoulder of another guy who dummies it to him. So, like, you know, and it's just a beautifully taken strike that the goalie wasn't going to be able to reach. I'm not killing the defense for that goal. It just felt like bad luck. Yeah, like I, I there have been a lot fewer goals conceded and even the types of goals that I thought we would concede, we really haven't been. Yeah, it will be interesting to see when we play more expansive teams who like like we've Liverpool got one coming up, Kim. I don't know. If I you've mean, heard. we have we have we have two coming up <laughs> <laughs> um, that play more expansively and have the players and the speed to get in behind our defenders. I think that's when you know 
the, I, I feel like things that we're, we're on the right path and I think we could probably show some things, but that'll be, it'll be interesting to see how we make it through the next like two weeks, because those, those are, those are two tough games. I do also wonder just talking about the defense, like how much naming Romero co-captain has like helped to kind of mature him in an almost unnatural way, right? Like it, like if he was just another guy on the team, he might still be doing some of the old Romero things. And I feel like he's really taken that responsibility onto his shoulders to be like, okay, I'm an, I'm a leader on this team. Now, a lot of the old guard are gone. The team is significantly younger. And so guys are now looking to him as one of the leaders where he would not have been in that position even last season. And so I do think that that's probably helped him to play a little bit more level-headed. He's had a few dicey calls that could have went the other way, but I thought he was really great against you. I mean, he was basically commanding that whole back line as far as I could tell and made some really smart plays and like defending, getting the ball, moving it forward. Just the way that they're clicking from, um, position to position has also been uh, a joy to watch as well. Anything else on the Sheffield match? I feel like this no. is going to be one that we'll be revisiting <laughs> a few, yeah, a few more times yeah. this year. I mean, I it's mean, just plus eight and plus ten, man, like that—that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I feel like last season we had a crazy early season match um, at that late draw at Stanford bridge, which isn't obviously doesn't compare to this one, but I feel like that was the last game where it was just like absolute bedlam at the final whistle. Um, and then of course, you know, there's that, there's that crazy champions league game, but it wasn't quite the same, uh, be- beating, uh, I, we didn't even beat them, I guess, but drawing with Chelsea at Stanford bridge last year was, was, was special. And this felt like, that but even better because of the circumstances and because you know we're still without a loss and and there was I think also some of the whispers going into the game was like all right here it is you know Spurs at Spurs after an undefeated August and their coach wins coach of the month this is this is always when we walk into a game and, and cough it up and having them score in the 73rd minute just kind of felt like, oh, my God, this cur- this coach of the year curse is, is real. But um, apparently it's not. So there you go. This is the Coys R Us podcast. Again, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Coys R Us podcast. Wanted to shout out to Atlanta Spurs for hosting our very yeah. own Kimmy this weekend. How was how was the the day out with uh, Atlanta Spurs? They're a good group. I've I've actually I was actually with Atlanta Spurs watching the crazy Man City match where uh, we scored a goal off of Lorente's hip. Um, what was that? A three four score line or something like that. Um, so that I mean yeah, I, I've got that, some that game good we memories. knocked them out the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, that was oh, the, yeah, that okay, was that yeah. game. That was right before nice. the Ajax. Um, yeah, the Ajax legs. So yeah, that's 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 definitely a, a a good group. I haven't I haven't been out there probably not since 2019. So I, I'm just curious to hear what the experience was like watching the game with them. Yeah, no, I had a really really good time. Um, obviously, you know, you're watching a match and things aren't really going well. There's occasionally the person that's like 
a little mad about this or mad about that you you can expect that but um like very very nice people very very welcoming um got another scarf so I keep keep racking those up and um yeah and they gave me some stickers yeah I just I had a really really good time it was it was a good place to watch a match and like if I'm ever down there again which I tend to go down there not too much but I go down there enough that I'll definitely check them out again and thanks guys for for being so welcoming appreciate that shout out to Atlanta Spurs and as we posted on um, our social media we are definitely planning to visit some more OSCs over the course of this season so if you're a part of one or if you know of any good ones that you could recommend to us uh let us know shout out to us on socials and and we'll definitely try to to make it out for a game at some point this season before we get to the Arsenal preview I guess the other thing that I did want to mention in terms of rotations because you know we were talking earlier about like being able to bring in different players with different profiles to kind of change a game, which is something that we haven't always had. I think the other thing that it adds to the team as well is that sense of healthy competition. Like I'm thinking about someone like Brennan Johnson coming in his first game as a Spurs player, high pressure situation. And he showed a lot of poise. And I feel like in a different world, in a different situation, that might put a lot of pressure on a player like Kulisevsky to be like, yo, I got to get my shit together because like, this might not be my spot for longer. And he ends up winning, getting the the game winning goal. So, you know, that probably put a little bit of more confidence back in him. Brennan Johnson's going to have confidence because he came in and played well. There were mixed reviews on Solomon's game. I thought he had a good game. Um, and I think he's continued to play well ever since he began starting. Um, yeah, Richie coming that. off the bench and getting like I th- I feel like we'll go back to Solomon in a second, but I just feel like there's a lot of players now that almost like I don't want to say can't afford to have a bad game, but it's almost like you're not guaranteed to start from week to week. And there's probably another guy on the squad who plays your same position, who can just be the starter the next game, who's also in form. So that almost like there's a camaraderie amongst the team, but I feel like there's also a little bit of healthy competition where guys don't just feel like I can stink it up and still get 90 minutes a week from now. But you were going to say something about. Brent, yeah. The uh, only about thing about Solomon is I feel like, and it's not that terrible, but I just felt like there are moments where I was like, just move the ball along. I see you're trying to set up a shot, but just move the ball along. Someone you're, you're dragging three defenders with your movement right now. There's probably someone who's open, like, that's the only thing I would say about his game um, on Saturday that kind of bothered me. And it, it was, like I said, it was mostly in the first half. I feel like in the second half, I didn't think any of that, but there were a couple of moments in the first half where I was just like, if you would have just get, got that ball to someone else and that person moved it on, like that was probably a better chance than you running along the edge of the box and trying to shoot, you know, and four people are in front of you. So some of, some of that stuff is just like awareness and that's the kind of stuff that you can, get someone to change um talking about it a little bit um you know i'm not saying that's that's who he's going to be forever but i feel like sometimes he can get like tunnel vision when it comes to shooting but still yeah, can end up I, with two assists in 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 like in the previous game so like as as i'm saying it's it's not bad but you can see where he, where where there is some room for improvement in his game 
Yeah, someone at the someone at the bar on Saturday compared him to Lucas, which I thought was a little unfair. Um, I'm like, I don't know about that. I mean, he he can get a little bit of tunnel vision, but number one, he dribbles with his head up, so he's already uh, he's already a, a few steps ahead of Lucas, and he and he's willing to pass the ball. I mean, I, I think a lot of those plays where he over dribbled were on account of him trying to create position to put in a cross, versus like I beat a man, now let me beat five more and take a shot while I'm falling to the ground. So I, I, I thought that was a little bit of an unfair comparison. Uh, but yeah, I think some of that is going to come with comfort and like considering the fact that he just joined the team this summer, I think he's actually adjusted fairly quickly, all things considered. So he kind of reminds me of Townsend, actually, Andres Townsend in that whole, like what Kim was saying earlier is likes to dribble a lot and, and look for a shot. But I don't think he doesn't seem as selfish as Townsend used to be as, as uh, like, like Townsend just was insistent on taking shots from outside the box all the time. I don't think we're going to see that. It doesn't look like it just in his, his dribbling and holding on to it. That's kind of who it reminds me of. But um, like Kim also said, he did get a couple assists a couple games ago and we saw him pass the ball around. So maybe it'll just take a little bit more time for him to get, I mean, he's, he started what, two games um yeah it's obviously yeah yeah you, i i hope that we'll see more rotation because i could i could see richarlison obviously getting some starts especially against kind of deep playing defensive teams um because that's where you're gonna have more crosses and that's where you probably want solomon in there but other times you could potentially have um you know have have sunny into to run against the higher you know the higher line defenders or defensive teams um and that you might want more pace. So maybe that'd be more Brennan Johnson. I'm not sure. We'll see how things actually play, but it would be great if we actually tailored our starting lineup to who we're playing against. Like that would make a lot more sense than trying to rely on the idea of like who is the most informed, even though the game to, from game to game, the style we're playing against, the style we're playing with could, could, you know, be pretty different. So I hope we see I mean, that. The exciting thing about it is also the notion of rotating our starters no longer gives me anxiety. Like I'm, I'm excited to see what Brendan Johnson does with a start. I'm excited to see, you know, what happens if Sun's not in the lineup for a game. Like I feel like we have enough quality now, and specifically with the the style of play that we currently employ. Like there's enough different guys that can do different things that are going to provide looks to the team, where it's not just like. You gotta you gotta play Harry every game. You gotta play Sonny. You gotta play Pierre. You gotta play Dyer. You gotta play Larise. You gotta. It's like no, you don't gotta do anything. The only gotta is probably the 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 center backs, and that's just because we don't have cover for them. But the rest of the Basuma, well, well, yeah, but he's Basuma our best player right now for, for my yeah. money. But I feel like there are options if a guy gets hurt or if a guy is sick or if whatever happens, like. There are options. The only place we don't have that is really our center back position. So that feels a lot better, um, especially with the the front positions. Like you're just excited to see who's going to be able to bag the next goal. Yeah, agreed. It's it's here. It feels like it's at the right time. Uh, if maybe not for us, but at least for um, the neutral, because you've got Spurs and Arsenal now with on the same amount of points. Um, five games played, no games lost, four wins and one draw. Uh, we have a slight edge on goal differential. 
They also had a late winner in their match uh, this past weekend. They played against, who was it? Everton, uh, where they were knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and then finally scored um, late. Arsenal will also be having a midweek Champions League game on Wednesday. So interested to see how and if they rotate between Wednesday and Sunday. Um, we will have a full week of rest, which is nice. And the, these are the types of weeks where you kind of aren't so pissed about missing out on Europe. Uh, so, you know, we'll have some time to go into this game. This is a fixture that's not been kind to us. I think most Spurs fans are a bit dreading going to the Emirates because I don't believe we've won a Premier League game away at Arsenal since 2010. And that's a game where Gareth Bale and Vandevart scored. So it's been, it's been quite some time. We've gotten a few draws um, over the course of that time, but no wins and a lot of losses. And our last two visits to the Emirates resulted in three one losses. So not even close, really. You feel like we're playing better football than they are right now, but it does feel like one of those fixtures where form goes out the window. Yeah. We'll talk nice. a little bit about our predictions towards the end, but before we get there, Kim, what are you looking at in terms of how our teams match up or what you think might be the keys to the game on Sunday Honestly, I feel like the keys to the game, I mean, we're we're both going to be teams that try to go at each other. And I feel like whoever is more clinical probably wins the game. I feel like we both score. We might both score at least two because um, I don't think Arsenal is the the most they're not as defensive. They're, they're not as good defensively as they were at the beginning of last year as I feel like no. they are this year. So I feel like Last they're not year, as good offensively either, though. Well, that's that's true. Um, you know, they're they're trying to get Havertz in, trying to figure out what works with him. Partey's injured. Um, you know, I think actually Martinelli's also he got injured just a couple. Um, he got injured what over the weekend, so I feel like they're dealing with some injuries to some not not their key key players, but guys who are pretty important to the team. I wonder if we see Gabriel Jesus. I don't think he started a game yet, but it's it's really hard to tell because you don't know who they're going to play in midweek because they have a Champions League game. Yeah. And then you don't know what the team is going to look like when they come out of that. Like, are they going to have more injuries? Like, We also don't know what goalie well? they're going to start. <laughs> that too. So I feel like there's a lot of flux with Arsenal right now. So it's kind of hard for me to like dial down um, – exactly what i think they'll do um but i think that probably the fact that i can't do that is probably a better sign for us than it's ever been in the past like since i've been a fan arsenal has not been in the champions league this is their first year since i've been a fan so this is the first year i've we're gonna have to see them contend what it's like to be a champions league team um with already some some pal going on so um you know uh, which injuries? Let me not say. I say pal and injuries. We we call one of in one of our group chats. We we call injuries pal. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I I'm curious to see how um how this all works out for them. So, but I think it's probably a good time to play them because we're we're sort of flying high and 
they're just they're winning but they they seem to be kind of treading water i don't feel like there yeah. has been one game this season that they have been amazing they've been decent they've been able to 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 get the results when they matter but it, i don't i don't feel like they've ever really stood out this season no beat forest in the first game 2-1 beat palace 1-0 then they drew with fulham 2-2 Beat United in stoppage time 3-1, and then they had that late winner to beat Everton 1-0. So, yeah, to your point, they haven't really had any convincing wins. They don't have any 5-2s in their back pocket. Uh, They'll be playing PSV Eindhoven on Wednesday uh, leading up to our game on Sunday. Yeah, they also had a pretty late, you know, that United game, I feel like that one could have gone other way, either way. Like yeah. if if Garnacho's goal counts, then does Arsenal win that game? Maybe not. Um, and like I said, I don't think Ar- I don't think United's that great. So it's like if we know Everton's goal, not that great. That too. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I I I feel like you know we they might say the same thing about us. We haven't really played anybody, but we've even if we haven't played anybody, we've looked good not playing anybody. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I'm probably the most confident I've been going into a game at Arsenal than I have been for quite a while. It's because Forever. we, <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, it, it just feels like the team is solid and solid enough to get a result. That's just where I'm going to leave that for now. Yeah. I feel like they're solid enough to get a result. Ben, I wanted to ask you considering all the players that we have in our arsenal <laughs> right now, um, who would you who would you pick as your eleven to go into this game? Mm, that's a good question. I think I would probably leave the the team mostly untouched um, as the starting lineup from as this start. Aspect. Yeah, the only the only one I would probably would consider is uh, I'm trying to think. Could we play Kuliseski? I don't know. Can we play Kulusevski and Brennan Johnson at the same time on the wing? I don't think so, right? What would that look like? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is I guess Kulusevski would have to – because Brennan Johnson, can he play on the left? Or is he primarily on the right? I thought I, I think heard he prefers he the right. Yeah. But he so can't potent- play on the left. Potentially yeah. wouldn't mind seeing him, but maybe he, for, for the time being, that'd be better as a late sub when he's running at tired defenders using his pace. Um, the main one I could see though is somebody coming in for Solomon, and like we had talked about, Solomon wasn't bad. There he was fine, um, but that is a spot that there's some competition there. Uh, it maybe wouldn't be horrible to see Richarlison back in there, so you could move Sonny out to the wing. But I really think that a lot of those, I think that, that we're going to see a very similar eleven, if not the same eleven that we saw this past weekend. Um, yeah, it's it, I, it caught me off guard. I'd have to think about how to fit some of the different pieces in because I would like to see Brennan Johnson, but I don't think I want to see Kulisewski drop to the bench. And the only way you can and do maybe that is... maybe Brennan plays twenty minutes, right? Like maybe he doesn't yeah, exactly. start straight away. And um, I mean, I think in terms of this past Saturday against Sheffield, I don't think anybody had a bad game. But if I were to really nitpick and pick somebody out, I might say Saar didn't have a great match. Um, he was fine, but he didn't really impact the game much. If you were to drop him, I think the only player that probably makes sense right now 
would be Pierre. And I don't know if this is the game that I want him in for. Uh, or if you try Kulisewski there to try to put it and get another winger in. I mean, that's where he ended up playing at the end of that game. I don't know if you want him for the whole one, but there was a stat about he's he is, I think, the top in, in the Premier League, at least before this past weekend, in distance covered. So, I mean, I maybe he can't play kind of box to boxy. So, I mean, this is a it's a tricky matchup, not only for all the reasons that I just said, but also I feel like it's one of those games where we both have offensive threat. We've got Madison, they've got Odegaard. Sokka's their best player. We're going to have to figure out what to do with him, but I, I think that Sokka versus Udogi matchup is going to be really interesting just to see like how he manages with that. He's been a masterful left back to this point, you know, five games in. And I think if he's able to pocket Sokka, that's going to be when the rest of the world realizes how good he is. Um, and if he's not, then, you know, the, the criticism will be you guys put your faith in somebody who's actually not that great. I also feel like this game is probably going to kind of come down to the midfield. You know, this is probably the first match that we would have all season where we don't maintain possession. Just looking at all the other games that we've played, even the Fulham match, we've maintained a majority of the possession in every single one. And I am curious to see what it looks like if we have 40% possession, like how does that affect the way that we play? Because we had, we just haven't seen that yet this year. Even when we played Barcelona in the preseason, I feel like we were still maintaining a lot of the possession. And so what does an Ange team look like when they don't have the ball? Um, that's going to be a big question. And, and, and I think the midfield is going to be instrumental in, determining whether or not we do because I think both teams will be playing to dominate possession so it might it might might well very much be a 50-50 game um but I think this is also talking about you know outstanding players that the rest of the world isn't hip to yet like I I also think about Basuma and like how much he's been instrumental to our team this thus far and you know obviously Declan Rice was sold for a lot of money this year he's starting for the England team and I think there's a lot of eyeballs on him now as like one of the best defensive midfielders in the league. And so I, I you know, if Basuma can outplay him in this game, I think that would be a big statement for him as well in terms of where he ranks amongst the best um, sixes in the league. So that midfield, I think, is really what I'm looking most towards in terms of like how this game will be won or lost. And then also, really looking at that Udogi and Sokka matchup as well. I'm going to go 2-2 for my prediction. Um, this is probably a little bit of a cop-out because I'm going with a conservative draw, although 2-2 isn't that conservative. But I feel like, number one, it's a derby, and, like, something weird might just happen. Like, I just – I don't know. I feel I just get the feeling that something weird's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be VAR. I don't know if it's going to be a ref, an injury, something weird. It'll probably happen. Um, but I also feel like a draw away at Arsenal is like basically a win. Like I'll take that and, and keep it moving. Um, particularly if we can keep our undefeated record intact for as long as possible, especially with Liverpool coming up. 
they also not only have a midweek game this week, but they have a midweek game after us because they're going to be playing in the Carabao Cup, which is another competition that we're no longer a part of. So we'll also have – we can throw everything at them knowing that we don't have another game for um, six more days. Um, and so, yeah, I do think it's a game that we'll see goals. I can see the game having – a 55-45 or a 50-50 possession. Like, I, I do think both teams will try to go at the other. And so it should be a fascinating game for neutrals and an absolute anxiety-inducing game for both fan bases. I mean, I think I agree with that. It's definitely going to be a nerve-wracking game. Um, I think I am – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little more positive – just because, like I said, these are these are more wish casting than actual predicting. But I'm gonna go two one Spurs because man, I love I it. Really, I love it really love to grab three points at the Emirates. So yeah, we'll go that. Do you know how insufferable Spurs fans will be if we get that result? Like if we get three points, it's yeah. I don't even want to even go down that road. But but like, oh man, oh man, and um, and then have a whole week till our next game. yeah exactly um um, yeah so i like i said i said earlier that i think we'd get a result but i also think it's probably going to be um very similar to like a a a 2-2 as well that that's going to also be my prediction i feel like that's what we'll end up um getting and i wouldn't be mad at that to be honest with you our our season has started so much better than I would have thought. Um, I thought we'd be leaking a lot more goals, and I certainly thought we'd have a loss by now, which I guess technically we do if you count the Fulham game. But if that was a Premier League game, that would have been a draw as well. So um, I feel like there is obviously way more pressure on them. You know, they almost won the league last year. We haven't beaten them at home in 13 years. Like, they're going to walk into that game expecting to be able to beat us. And so I think it's not necessarily a complete free hit like some fans are saying it is. I think we still have some pressure to perform in that match. It's a derby. Um, But they're going to have more than us. And I think if we somehow don't get any points out of that game, I don't think it's a complete disaster. I think it's much worse for them to lose that game than it is for us. And even if we even if we drop both games against Arsenal and Liverpool, I, I still don't think it would be meltdown city the way that it might have been in years past, particularly if we continue to play the same brand of football that we've been playing to this point. Like I feel like the fans are invested enough in this system and this rebuild that like us winning or losing the game probably won't mean as much as how we look while we're doing it. Um, and that's a refreshing place to be. Obviously, I don't want us to lose this game. And I don't think that we will. But if we do, like, I think we'll just kick on. And that helps me a little bit not to feel the same level of anxiety that I might have in previous years where it's like, if we lose this game, it's the end of the world. Like, I just I just don't feel that way this year. Yeah, I don't have that anxiety. But I know as we get closer and closer, I will feel anxious. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. This is it's not gonna be a fun ninety minutes. <laughs> oh, 
Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Emirates and get some points. Let's do it. Why not? Maybe Ben will be right. The wish cast might work. Let's do it. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Come Spurs. On, you Spurs.